All right, welcome to episode number seven of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2016. Thank you, Lord. Finally got better microphones and sound for this episode. Yeah, it took a while, but uh, this is when we really started sounding halfway decent. So, yeah, how's it going, Mike? How are you doing? We're already in August. What the fuck this year? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing okay. Uh just haven't really done that much i'm i'm actually really um just waiting for school to start again so i can finally just get this over with i have one math class left and then i'll finally get my aa transfer degree i would like to get a job and i filled out a bunch of applications uh, but you know i had one interview recently but i didn't think it was that confident so i don't think i'm gonna get it first off i haven't done interviews in forever so it kind of makes sense (laughs) i was just very awkward and just uncomfortable and let's uh, let's face it. You went in there going, "I don't want this job. I do a, a, a YouTube channel about movies. This job is so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Just give me money so I can have a job." <laughs> yeah, I would love to get paid. I would love to get more money for YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, we but, all. Yeah, that's the dream. But there's it's. I feel the some stuff, you know, the Ghostbusters reboot stuff like that. That's been a pretty, pretty decent amount of money I've made for that so far. But you know, could be more if I didn't sign up for a partner. Got advice for you folks: if you have a small YouTube channel, don't sign up for a partner. Just stay with Google if you can, because the partner would just take a huge cut of whatever little profit you do make. Has there been any, has there been any advantage to that? Like, has has there been any kind of like promotion or anything like Not that? Not really. Not really. And uh, but yeah, it seems like this podcast has been doing well, and you know, I, I think it's gonna you know grow. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll get this this audio. We'll we'll get these audio issues worked out and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, we're trying a new well, audio thing. Yeah. Try a new audio thing this time around. This, if, if everything goes according to plan, this should be the best sounding uh, one we've done so far. So I am, I am trying, folks. I am trying to make things as best I can for you people out there because I care about you. You're all like my little snowflakes. You're all different. <laughs> so yeah, just from watching movies and uh, unsolved mysteries and enjoying the a uh, bigger flat screen TV that I, I got basically for free because it's one we had in our guest bedroom that nobody was using. And my mom's old tube TV finally went out in her bedroom. And so I decided, okay, I'll trade. I'll do a trade. I'll take the one from the guest bedroom, which is uh, larger than my th- previous 32 inch flat screen. And you take my other, my 32 inch and put it in your room. And it's worked out pretty well. You heard and, it. You uh, heard it here, so folks. Uh, Mike is so wealthy that he has huge flat screen TVs laying around his house that aren't being used. <laughs> the we- the wealth of this man. Jeez. Well, I'm not, it's I'm not wealthy. Like I, I got maybe I'm lucky if I got two hundred dollars to my name right now. But uh, my parents are, are are pretty good. So you're you rich know. in spirit. Yes. Yes. All right. You could so. Say that. The whole reason you people are probably tuning in uh, probably has not to hear us. Yes, about (laughs) our our lives and what we've done over the past. 
you know. It probably has hey, something hey. to do with a little show called Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. The first segment we will be tackling today is one off the Strange Legends set from the Ultimate Collection. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, no, even no. wrong again. Psychics. Oh, it was on Psychics. Yeah, it was on Psychics. Yes, yeah. Psychics. And I should have known better because I watched that recently. <laughs> Duh! Yeah, and it's called uh, Rain Boy. Yeah. I'm surprised this one wasn't on Stranger Legends or Ghosts or something. But it is kind of a hard one. to. Pe- it's not really a psychic thing. It's more of a possession, like demonic thing. So yeah. I don't remember him being able to predict the future or anything. But I guess maybe there's psychic phenomena going on. But uh, yeah, Rainboy is it's a pretty terrifying segment. It's one that I really do think there's a lot of uh, truth here because of how many witnesses there are and how many of them are everyday normal police officers. It's, it reminds no me a lot of the, to BS people. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the Resurrection Mary story where I, yeah. I, I it just just the witnesses itself give the story credence for the simple fact that uh you know these are just normal ordinary people who have no interest in gaining fame or fortune unlike the Ghost Boy segment where yeah. we found out the mom was actually writing a book and all that and she stood to gain from or all- like the other psychic segments with the guys who were like predicting the future or, or predicting you know or talking to the dead, you know, like that guy with the mustache or whatever. James Von Frog. Yeah, who wrote a book. And then the guy was reading the book one night, and then he had a dream about James Von Prog or somebody talking to him about whatever. Yeah. James Von Prog is interesting, though, because even though he does stand to gain monetarily from his uh, quote-unquote gift, if you want to believe that... Um, I think it was a different guy who wrote the book, though, not James Von Prog. Uh, it was this other guy. But James Von Prog is interesting, too. Well, yeah, because he, uh, he, he, you know, if you were, if again, if you want to believe all what all people say about him, uh, this this guy really does have some kind of a psychic ability with the kind of stuff that that he knows. And I mean, there's going to be skeptics for every single one of these cases that we talk about. And uh, I mean, actually, surprisingly, though, the only skeptic in the Rainboy case was the uh, police chief who uh, went to visit the house. But that's uh, later on. I think I think I think honestly, he just refused was one of those people who just saw something that was just so unbelievable that he just refused to believe in it. Oh, yeah, totally. Sanity, because that's really what I think that I think that's what he was doing. He was old school. Uh, Yeah. So, on February 24th, 1983, in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, uh, James Kishpaw died of cirrhosis of the liver at the age of 63. His grandson, Don Decker, was granted a furlough from prison to attend his funeral. Don was in prison for four to twelve month sentence for receiving stolen property. This was the capstone of a troubled adolescence. Uh, he, he revealed that his grandpa, who he was supposed to be mourning, had been abusing him physically yeah. since he was seven years old. That's really too bad. Yeah. So after the we don't we didn't really say for sure. Like, was it just like physical abuse, or was it sexual abuse as well? Like, we didn't really they didn't really go that in depth on that. It was just kind of 
Oh, he was abused. Either way, this guy did then, not like his grandfather. And exactly, uh, I, I, I I don't know who would. <laughs> you know, if your grandfather's abusing you. My grandfather emotionally abused me as a kid, and and I I fucking hate him to this day. I mean, he he's he's just an evil he's an evil bastard. So I I under, you know a lot of people have these fuzzy you know thoughts of their grandparents, and they should. I don't, I, I don't you know I have more fuzzy thoughts of my grandmothers. I've never really had a grandfather that was like, I mean, my grandpa Bill wasn't really an asshole. He just, you know, just I, I didn't really appreciate him, you know, kind of treating my mom the way that he did and just forgetting her birthday because they were he was playing cards with his wife one night, you know, that kind of thing. And then just time got away from, you know, him and they didn't even bother to call her. It was just kind of lame shit like that. But, you know, he's passed away. So, it, you know, and it's not like I really harbor any ill will towards him. My other grandfather, I barely even knew. So, and then my other, I guess I could say my dad's dad, but he's kind of a dumbass. So he's not really an asshole, but this is one of those things. I never really had a grandfather, you know, grandfather, grandpa. There was like, oh, my, you know, I really never really had that. Yeah, me neither. I had so. I had friends who had good grandparents, and I'd be jealous because I'm like, why can't I have just grandmothers for me? It's it's like my I was uh, partly raised by my grand one of my grandmothers, and you know I lived with her and my mom for most of my life, and uh, she's she means a lot to me, and you know I'm really glad that she was a part of my life and things like that. So I, it's 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 too bad that people you know anyone abuses their kids uh you, you, you know whether it's a father or or a grandparent you know stuff like that it's not really their you know your grandson or your granddaughter is really your kid but you get you get one yeah right <laughs> So after the funeral, Don was just unnerved because apparently his parents were just going on about how great of a man this guy was. And he he knew secretly that he was a piece of shit. So he ended up spending the night with some friends that he met earlier. And later on at their house, Don was just sitting by himself in a chair in the living room and uh, some of the other roommates there were just kind of reading the paper and stuff and then according to Unsolved Mysteries quote, the air vibrated with a deep chill and then simultaneously water started to leak from the walls it was at that point that Dawn fell into an eerie trance-like state so um, in the segment they they show that in this room uh, water just pretty much starts perspiring out of the walls and leaking and in streams of water they did a great job with the practical effects here in this segment by making it just look like water's just, you know, pouring, you know, from the ceiling and coming out of the walls and things like that. Yeah. This is the type of crazy, this is definitely a crazy segment that definitely stands out because not only for this kind of thing, the water and stuff like that, it, it's uh, the other sort of stuff where they saw like a, a water droplet. What was it? Like it fell and then like it like traveled well, they're you know, mentioning like about how light. the water wasn't just coming down from the ceiling. Yeah. They're saying it was coming from the wall over and yeah. from the ceiling up. So it was going in multiple directions, which, I mean, if you're talking like really outside of the realm of possibility, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a leak. It's not your everyday leak. Uh, if it, the leak would just come from one place. It wouldn't come from the floor. It wouldn't come from the ceiling and it wouldn't come from, you know, what seemingly midair. So. so the uh, the the but nobody would think it was 
supernatural or anything. People are just like, where the hell? Why, why, where's all this water coming from? Yeah, because when you think supernatural, you know, water isn't the first thing that you go to. Think of blood. <laughs> you know, like the amoeba horror. Or like, like a, or like a mist or a, a yeah. apparition or something, but but not like just straight up water, you know? Exactly. So they notified the landlord, Ron Van Wy. Uh, not Van Who, not Van What, but Van Why. Um, there, uh, the landlord came I'm over and... <laughs> what? What me? Why worry? Oh, God. Uh, Ron, Ron came over and, uh, he saw that, uh, you know, he was saying, well, I don't know how it could be leaking in here. There's no pipes in the front end of the house. All the piping was in the back of the house. There was no way that water should be coming from this part of the house. There's just no physical way that that could be happening. Um, so at that point, they were befuddled and they decided to telephone the police, you know, because it's like if this kind of stuff's going on and, and you're just like, which I got to say seems like kind that of it's kind of strange you to call the police. Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of a weird go to, you know, let's call the cops. But I mean, you know, that kind of foreshadows what the cops do. The cops would be like, uh, I, there's nothing there's nobody here for me to arrest. I can't really do anything. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that kind of that kind of tells me that they really did think that you know there was more to it than just water. Yeah, did they call? Did they call a plumber first? I mean, that's the kind of thing you would think maybe, or a contractor, or, you know, someone like that. Yeah, you would think with the cops, but you know, so hey, people call nine one one for a lot of you know even for even more ridiculous reasons than than this i mean this is pretty out there but there's other people who call 911 because of stupid shit like my husband won't let me watch my soap opera or call 911 because of ants just wasting taxpayers dollars exactly so, uh, Officer John Bojam uh, and his uh, partner Richard. I'm Wal- sorry, Bojam. <laughs> <laughs> then these aren't Southern cops either. These are uh, <laughs> these are Pennsylvanian cops. It's spelled like almost like a Cajun last name. It's like B A U G A N or something, something like that. But it's it- like a Bojangles. No Bojam and Bojangles. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a cartoony last name, but um, the him and his partner Richard Walbert showed up, and um, I guess Officer John. I guess I'm just going to call him that, so you don't get distracted by a last name because it's kind of a funny (laughs) name. Uh, Officer John went to the house first, and he was like, "What the fuck?" So then, when his partner showed up, he's like, "You know, walking to just go in the house," and he's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Just go in there. You'll know when you go in there." He's like, "I'm not walking in this house until you tell me what I'm walking into." And finally, he persuaded him to go in with him. And when uh, his partner, Richard Walbert, walked in, uh, he was instantly pelted with water uh, after just walking in two steps. Um, And then they walked to the other part of the house where Don was not sitting and the rest of the house was dry. It was only the living room that was wet. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that stands out because that's more of those things where it's like, it's another example of one of those things where it's like, yeah, something is not normal here. There's no way that this this could be something that could just happen normally. 
Yeah, so the officers, uh, they were freaked out, and they left to report the incident to their police chief. Um, at that point, uh, Decker and his friends walked out to go get something to eat because they hadn't eaten in a while. So uh, after they left the house, uh, the Van Wise stayed behind, and they noticed the rain stopped. And the ho- it, just all the water and the leaking stopped as soon as they left. So they, they started to suspect that one of them was responsible for this thing that was happening. Um, 23 hours since the rain had come, uh, Pam Scarfalo, uh, who owned this pizza restaurant where they walked to, um, was convinced that it was the devil because apparently she was a friend of them and uh, they had kind of been telling her about it anyway. Um, when they go to this restaurant, Don yet again was in this very trance-like state and she felt like he was possessed. She was kind of one of the first people to uh, voice that that opinion. And uh, then around that point, it started to rain in the restaurant. When they were in the restaurant, drops of water started falling all over the tables. And uh, Pam, the owner of the restaurant who was sitting with them, she's like, do you have a crucifix? And they're like, no. So she happened to have one in her register, which kind of showed that she already had a bias towards, you know. Yeah, she's definitely a religious individual. Right. So she put the the crucifix in Don's hand or around his neck, actually, and it burned him and it turned black. So at that point, you know, they were like, "Okay, there's something more going on to this. And I, I do got to say, uh, the the actress who played the lady in the pizzeria, she was she was really good. Yeah, she was. Like, she definitely was. Every now and then on the Unsolved Mysteries reenactments, one of the actors will just stand out, kind of above the others, um, as just being really good. And uh, she she stood out to me. There's actually a few good actors in this segment. I think the guy who played Don did a great job too. The guy who played Don played a pretty good job. Uh, I thought the police chief played a pretty decent job. Um, so, uh, to, but to me, though, like, speaking of Don, th- this guy doesn't seem so bright. Uh, when they're interviewing the actual, the real Don Decker for this segment, like, he seemed like a dunce. Yeah. He, he was just like, uh, then the, and ra- I, the the guy that they casted, like, he seemed a bit too good looking. Yeah. had been that guy. Yeah, he was uh, very chiseled. He had a very chiseled face, and uh, Don looked like a good old boy from uh, Tennessee or something. Uh, who, who, you know, maybe, uh, you know, was a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Um, so, uh, the landlord, when they get back to the house, the landlord's wife confronted Don in the kitchen, and she's like, this is all your fault, you know, you're making this happen. And then right as she's, like, bitching him out, the pots and pans in the kitchen started to rattle. And then he levitated off the ground and in the segment, it's great because, yeah. like, in, they're in the kitchen, right? So, at, like, right when she's, like, bitching him out, like, everything turns black in the kitchen. Like, the lights go off, and there's this green, like, very, like, bright green light that, like, comes from the ceiling. And he, like, just, like, just gets levitated up in the air. And then he gets thrown, like, by this invisible force. He gets thrown onto the ground. And then they cut back to Don, the real Don Decker, and he's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I've always been very assertive. And he's like, man, he's like, when I got thrown like that, it made me feel like a newborn. And, he, and in the interview, he said, uh, it scares me just talking about it right now. 
Like in the interview, he said that, which that stood out to me because usually when these people are talking about the stuff that happened to them, they, they don't say stuff like that. They never say it's scary. They never really break that fourth wall that this is just a TV show and say like, yeah, it's it scares me even talking about right now, you know. So oh yeah, I th- yeah. Thought that that was I, really good. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Another example of how much more effective practical effects are than CGI. Like nowadays, if they did like a show like this they probably might do it cgi or whatever like here they just probably just had a string or something pulled the guy back but then they covered it up you know in post-production but uh and it's truly creepy seeing him just like he's standing there and he just levitates he just like raises up off the ground and it's like a real human being being raised off the ground not some cgi sprite you know that just you know materializes they didn't do shaky cam either you know, or, or a bunch of uh, annoying flash cuts. Oh, if the revamp had gotten their hands on this segment, they would have butchered the hell out of it. <laughs> God. They would have had, like, this the really not scary music in the background, too. It would have like, been, like, rock and roll. It would have been, like, <laughs> Rob Zombie. It would have been, like, uh, like, there would have been, like, a thousand, like, blooming effects and, like, these, like, negative... Uh, effects and uh, yeah there would have been like uh, graining like artificial uh, graininess shit. and fire would have been like, <laughs> shooting out everywhere they added in after and they would have st- fro- freeze frame do this like and in the later seasons of this show they did that too that I noticed they did this kind of annoying thing where somebody would be talking and then it freeze frame and zoom in I, I don't know oh really did. yeah I didn't know they so, did that yeah, it's noticeable in some of the bizarre murders uh, segments. Oh wow, it's uh, they were above that for a, a good while. Yeah, but they kind of did that in the last later seasons. I noticed in some of the segments, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. Oh. But hey, you know it's kind of the style, I guess, of the two thousands. This is extreme. Yeah, that's true. They were getting into all that shit. They wanted to, I guess, get change their image a little bit. So a few hours after the kitchen incident, the uh, the the police chief was called in, and uh, you know, as the police chief walked in, he was pelted with water too. Um, as the other officers were being interviewed, they said, you know, we felt that the police chief he got he got the impression that he was being put on the spot. He was a little embarrassed. Like, maybe there was something he could answer, you know? Uh, one of the eyewitnesses... Uh, he was one of the only eyewitnesses who denied anything out of the ordinary that night that, you know, happened. Like, yeah, uh, everyone. He, he just he just said, yeah, well, he just flat-out denied it. This is from uh, uh, Officer Pojam. Uh, uh, said he flat-out denied it. didn't happen. He tried to convince me that nothing happened. And he wasn't going to do that. I saw it, and that's all there is to it. And I like that. I like the fact that this officer on the show was willing to be like, no, I saw what I saw, and I, I believe in it, and no, I, I don't think it was something that could have been explained away. Yeah, and these aren't former police officers either. These guys like still currently hold their position as uh police officers well they did at the time for the they did at the, time. the show you know so like it's not like, like the 90s yeah so it's not like they were former you know former police officer or anything like like it sometimes is you know for these cases they'll get a former like retired fbi guy to speak you know on behalf yeah. of an incident but no these guys were still on the force at the time 
Um, so he ordered the officers to leave the house, not file a report, and on top of all that, to not even speak of it at all. Um, the officer thought the chief just wanted out because he couldn't provide an explanation, and he tried to convince the officers that nothing happened, and as you said, he wasn't going to do that because the guy saw with his own eyes. And Uh, then they actually decided to disobey the orders of the police chief, and they went out on their own to investigation to to continue the investigation. And and one of the officers is Bill Davies, and he goes up, and he, he goes to the house. And this is a quote from Bill Davies. He says, "We're standing there, and I gave it Mr. Decker this gold cross to hold. Next thing he says, it's burning my hands, and there's no explanation for it. When you picked it up, when you grabbed it, it's not hot, hot, but it's hot, and I held on to it." Which that was another great quote. Like if you go back and lo- watch the segment, you know, it's, it's, it's this is an old man. This is like an old like New Englander, you know, just a yeah. classic. Like he's like, it's not hot, hot, but it's hot. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> yeah, I, so I thought that was a great quote. It is because you're like, wait, so it it it's still hot. I mean, it's not hot, hot. It's, it's hot. So. um yeah, they they went and did their own you know investigation because I guess they wanted to find out what was going on and um, what happens next is probably the, one of the most uh, disturbing and and really uh, scary you know moments in this segment where you know they're, they're Bill Davies is you know I think Don Don was once again levitated off the floor and uh, John Lieutenant John Rundle said he witnessed it and I, I remember this scene too is they put. I think they put a paper bag over his head. Yeah, they right. put a paper bag over his head and put the crucifix in his hand. He drops the crucifix because it's so hot. And then at that point, he lifts up off the ground and again is thrown against the wall. And as the cop said, he, he was hit. The force was like as if a bus hit him. Yeah. And uh, he, he couldn't explain it. You know, uh, he, he the, the officers on there, they were just like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I just, you know, I, I've in my 40 years of police work, I've never seen anything like this. He's like, there's always an explanation for something. But this, I, I have no explanation. I don't know. There is no explanation. And then they also saw the, the three claw marks on the side of his neck, which is the one which were the things that really like. It's always claw marks. Have you noticed that? About any kind of ghost or spirit, it's always claws. That's creepy to me. It's always claws. It makes you think of, you know, like some kind of definitely demonic sort of uh, activity. Right, because, I mean, there's supposed to be various levels of demons that work for Satan's army, and they have kind of like the front, you know, the the uh fronts you know calvary or whatever the more basic ones you know who do kind of like the more you know laborious tasks you know and all and and these one you know there's all kinds of apparent different uh soldiers in in the army of the demonic army and uh it just it just i, I don't know i just think of like dungeons and dragons or something like the yeah. you know the demon card or something and he's got yeah. like these claws and wings and stuff and there are these claw marks on the side of his neck which drew blood and uh lieutenant john rundle says i have no answer for it whatsoever i just draw a blank even today 
So then they call in Miss Cleo, apparently. And uh, for those of you who who passed away, yeah, for those of you who don't remember, she was one of those uh, telephone psychics like, call me now for your free reading. And uh, it's not really Miss Cleo, but she might as well be. It's this this black lady who's apparently Jamaican or something. And uh, she attempted an exorcism. Every other preacher and minister had turned them down Uh, as she started to pray. Donnie went into convulsions, he started to shake, uh, he went to the fetal position, but as the more they prayed, the more kind of relaxed he got, and the more calmer he became, and pretty soon after they had finished praying, uh, all, all the water was gone. Uh, the results were apparently temporary, though, because after his furlough for the uh, funeral, he returned back to jail. And within a few days, the rain materialized again. But this time it was different because Don started to think he could control it and he could make it rain. So in his cell, he was there with his cellmate and he said, uh, it was then I thought I thought I could do stuff, which I thought was kind of kind of foreboding. I yeah, I that can, is. That's I can, really, I can really do stuff. creepy. Yeah, it that's was the kind of thing that you hear in like a horror film. Yeah, you know, some guy who's, you know, who's got demonic powers or something, and he realizes, or 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 it's like you know Magneto or something. Like right. I can do things with my mind. So he realized he's, he's not a very good mutant power, though. I, I don't know. I take it. I take any mutant power, honestly. I take what I can get. I think it's pretty. Yeah, cool. I, I was just making it rain. Like you make it like a tsunami. Okay, maybe, but. Kind of like Hydro Man, who's kind of a lame Spider-Man villain. I don't know. I mean, it's it's he had other problems. I mean, I don't know. It it's <laughs> it was kind of a demonic thing. So yeah, I, I, I was just I'm just messing messing around. N- no joking here, Mike. This is all very serious. Okay, <laughs> we're talking about a guy who makes it rain. This is a very serious discussion. <laughs> uh, with money, <laughs> I know that's all I kept thinking about. I was like, I make it rain. I make it rain. <laughs> like i couldn't i'm sorry i hate like current culture i really do but like that's all like it's been so drilled into my head by like these hip-hop songs that's like all i can think about is him at a strip club just like you know uh, i make it rain in other ways too baby i'm donnie d motherfucker i make it rain So anyway, he's in his cell and he's like, I want to I'm going to make it rain in this cell. So his cellmate starts, you know, yelling and complaining and fussing because it's it's raining or it's wet yeah. at least. And he's like, hey, get me out of here. You know, I, I didn't I didn't want I didn't go to prison for this. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you can have me in this shitty cell, but I I expect to have some good, uh, you know, accommodations while I'm here. Damn it. I expect to be dry. <laughs> So the uh, the warden came in and and moved the cellmate and he started talking to Don Decker and Don's like I can make it rain and I can control the the rain and he's and the warden's like oh yeah you can make it rain we'll make it rain in in uh, Sergeant Keenhold's office David Keenhold so then they cut to 
Dave Keenhold, and he's sitting in his office, and he was writing reports, and it was approximately 8 in the evening. Uh, at the time, he didn't feel anything, and then he hears a knock at the door, and it's the warden that just came from Don Decker's cell. And he said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, sir, but... Uh, and then right at that point, he paused, and he looks down at Sergeant Keenhold's shirt, and he sees that it's saturated with water. Yeah. And he goes on to, he starts freaking out. He's like, this this man, this guy's saying he can make it rain. Look at your shirt. Look at your shirt. And he's like, what the hell? This is like a new shirt. You know, this shouldn't be, you know, wet. And at that point, he tells them what's going on. And they're both very startled and frightened at that point. Well, understandably so. I mean, you've never seen anything like that happen before. Yeah, it's very And disturbing. you can't control it. And then you're wondering what else can he right. do? Right. What else can, yeah, right. exactly. So then, then the scariest part in this segment, in my opinion, comes up. They call in Reverend Blackburn, uh, and he received a call uh, from the sergeant in the jail, and um, they brought him into this room with the reverend. And this, this, this is a scene like right out of like The Exorcist or something. Yeah, like, this, right out of The Exorcist. This is great. Yeah. It's a great scene. He brings him into this room, so it's just him and the minister in this room together. And as the minister describes, he, he looked like a very meek, mild young man. And then he, he goes, you know, what's wrong, son? What seems to be the problem? And Don goes, I can make it rain. And the priest said, son, don't you think you'd make it a lot easier on yourself if you stopped all this nonsense right now? You're making all this up, aren't you? And then he says, all of a sudden, his demeanor changed in the room filled with a stench. And he's, he's talking about oftentimes in hospital rooms when there's a, a patient dying of cancer, you can smell the smell of death in this hospital room. And he said, it smelled like this multiplied by 10. He said an, it was an evil, foreboding smell. And at that point, Don says, I have powers you don't. I can make it rain. And yeah, he, that was really creepy, the way he, that he delivered that line, the yeah. actor. Yeah. And then he raised his hand and he rubbed his index and thumb together. And then it started, and then according to the priest, it started to rain. A cold, but it was, it was, it was, it was like the devil's rain. Yeah, he said it was a cold, <laughs> evil mist. It was like the devil's rain. And so he said, I'm going to pray for you. And Don goes, I don't want you to pray for me. He goes, I don't care what you want. Prayer is my prerogative. <laughs> I, love, I love that line, too. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's like I said, as badass as a priest can get. <laughs> right? Yeah. Prayer is my prerogative. <laughs> Uh, so he opens my prerogative. <laughs> exactly, Bobby Brown in the house. <laughs> so he opened the Bible and he started to pray for him, and he notices that the pages never got wet. Which honestly, that gave me goosebumps too. Yeah, like, that did too. The yeah. pe- the pages of the Bible never got wet, but everything else did. That was pretty awesome. So as he as he prayed for him, you know, again the rain subsided. They cried together. He hugged and. Um, Pretty much after that, they follow up with Don again, the real Don Decker, you know, being interviewed. And he said, you know, it, it's pretty much over and it hasn't happened again. Uh, he believes that it was his grandfather abusing him from beyond the grave, you know, because he abused him in his living years. And this was just another way basically for him to fuck with him uh, even even when he was dead. Um, or, or maybe his grandfather, the reason why he was abusing him is maybe his grandfather was possessed. And then when his grandfather died and uh, Don was in this sort of state of despair and, uh, you know, because of being in jail and things like that. And his parents not pretty much not believing what what he's saying about what his grandfather did to him, that enabled an opening for whatever spirit or whatever demonic entity that was there to enter him. Yeah, that's my theory. (laughs) 
So. I don't know. Um, they tend a lot of these demonic possession things tend tend to kind of sort of uh, deal with people who were in very low points in their lives. That's true. And yeah, that true. Uh, it, the reason why the infestation is able to occur is because the person is just doesn't really have the will to fight. Well. Don Decker, uh, when this segment was filmed, the guy looked like he was maybe in his 30s, mid-30s or yeah. so. So the dude's still alive. Oh, he is, totally. And I, I also love that every time they interviewed him, they had what clearly was like rain yeah, on the windows. <laughs> which I went back and I listened to the audio commentary, and, and you know, that that was a uh, purposeful decision that was made. Of course. It wasn't one of those like, oh my God, he's making it rain again. Yeah, and then at the end, when they're interviewing him at the very end, there's no more rain in the background that you can see. Yeah, yeah but I mean, that was, you know, that was a cool little touch. There's a nice aesthetic cho- choice there. Uh, and then they they interviewed Peter Jordan, who is this uh, paranormal researcher guy, along with Chip Decker. No relation. And, and this guy, Chip Decker, saying things like, I think what makes this case very unique is that all of the witnesses are very, so credible. We're dealing with very good, well-seasoned police officers that were obviously rather frightened and shaken by this, but also had the powers of observation. And then Peter Jordan chimes in, and he's like, the Donald Decker case is by far the singularly most fascinating and important case I've ever personally been involved in. That does not mean I believe that it necessarily is proof positive to me of demonic infestation. But it is the case, in my own personal experience up to this point, that comes the closest to that hypothesis. Then Robert Stack caps the episode off with this great quote. He goes, as John Milton wrote in Paradise Lost, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. Yeah, Robert Stack is just... More I miss po- him so much. More, like, he was so poetry. great at delivering these these type of uh, last lines for these segments. So I guess you can safely say uh, you can definitely blame it on the rain. Oh my god, that's <laughs> horrible. <laughs> blame it on the rain. That was. Uh... It's actually raining right now at my house. In uh, yeah, yeah, as we're talking about. It's like blame it on the rain. Yeah, yeah. God. So I mean, uh, for me personally, I believe this this really happened. Um, I I have no reason to doubt the witnesses. Everybody seems very credible. Um, it was not crazy enough for me to be like ah, you know that. Well, I mean, it was kind of crazy. Let's but. Say, I'd say all of the witness, the, the priest. You know, I would like to one hundred percent believe the but, but priests. You know, they kind of have this sort of thing where they're priests. So you know, they kind of. In, in order to kind of make their religion kind of prop it up a little bit, they might kind of, they might exaggerate some things, possibly. Um, so I don't necessarily know about that particular part, but the stuff by the cops and by the regular, you know, people, whatever, at the restaurant or some stuff like that, I, I'm, more, I'm more willing to believe that. Um, it's because I've, 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 I've read cases that, exorcism sort of cases and there, there were cases where there were priests that kind of just exaggerated things in the past and tried to make it sound like it w- there was not somebody that was... This was definitely not just mental illness, right. that's for sure, because it has the whole rain thing associated with it. But the thing is with the priest, with what he was saying, like I, I wasn't really there, so I can't really say that the pages of the Bible didn't get wet. <laughs> 
So, uh, but you know, regardless, it's still, it's still, it's there's still. I think there's a lot of truth to this story. So, so tying into the world of, um, you know, the, the psychic world, uh, we're, now we go into psychic experiences and psychokinesis with a segment entitled The Electric Lady, which was picked which by... even reference Rain Boy. Yes, they, they reference Rain, Rain Boy before they got into The Electric Lady, and they reference someone else, uh, for which segment I have not seen yet. But um, Yeah, I don't know why that was not on there, because that segment looked really interesting. <laughs> and then, like, they just... Well, interesting segment that you should have seen before, but... Uh, Nope. <laughs> yeah, normally on the Ultimate Collection, if they reference another segment, that segment's on the Ultimate Collection as well. Like with the UFO Odyssey, they reference like 10 different segments and each yeah. one was on the box set. But this one uh, referenced a segment that was uh, not on. The- but anyway, this one is called The Electric Lady. And I chose this one because it ties in with the Rainboy. It deals with these sort of unexplainable psychic phenomenon. And instead of, uh, or phenomena, not really phenomenon. But, uh, you know, phenomena. And uh, instead of rain, somebody making it rain, it's dealing with this woman who, when she was younger, she, I think she was able to predict some events uh, psychically. And then she started having these psychic occurrences, like stuff exploding in her hands, which is really pretty scary, too. Um, Probably not as scary as demonic claw marks and rain. You know, coming out of nowhere, but but again, uh, it deals with the whole uh, uh, unknown factor. Well, exactly, w- what what can she control? What you know, what you, you know, like does it it, it it manifested when she was stressed? So it reminded me a lot of Carrie, <laughs> the 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 movie and uh, and the novel by Stephen King. So this starts off with Janine Price, who was the aforementioned electric lady of uh, Long Beach, California. Uh, her She had psychic episodes that started back, way back in her childhood. She felt yeah. like she could read minds and predict the future, and it began at the age of 10. She was consumed by the feeling that she had a sister that she never met, and her mom refused to answer the question. Now, watching these unsolved segments, there's a lot of these. I don't know if that was a thing back in the day that happened or what, but there's a lot of these segments where it's like the, there's a missing uh, the lost love yeah thing, lost love stuff, there's yeah. a missing kid or a missing sibling and the parents just don't talk about it because I guess back in the day if you couldn't afford uh, more kids than what you already had you just gave the one uh, the other ones away I guess this was before the Department of Children and Families was established I guess so <laughs> um, but, but yeah I, I just love how the parent is like no what no no you don't need to know about that you know type of thing like it's like by just saying by acting like that you're clearly putting the putting it across that you are hiding something right i mean you're not doing a very good job lying there i'm sorry i feel like it's almost become a trope at this point in movies and and tv shows to for the kid or something to be like i found this dusty old picture of someone who looks like me that's nobody you don't need to worry about that (laughs) stay out of the basement you know don't go through our things yeah grounded (laughs) So That's my sister. <laughs> yeah, so she felt like that she was related. Uh, she felt like she had a sister or whatever. So she was digging through her parents' personal effects one day, and she found this photo album. And as she's going through the pages, she touches this one picture of this girl, and she knew it was her sister. And so she brings a picture down to her mom, and she's like, Mom, who's this? And her mom's like, That's nobody. Where did you get that? I told you to stay out of our, our room. 
And she's like, no, I know who this is. This is my sister. And her mother at that point was forced to admit that she did have a half-sister named Judy. And it was, that, it was at that very point that Janine got the premonition, and she even told her mom, she said, I'm going to meet her one day, and then soon after I meet her, she's going to die. That's very tra- That's really tragic. And what's really, really tragic about this is that this actually came true, right. her premonition. And she even was very detailed about it, too. So that's what really convinced me that this she's not your average, you know, just person who's trying to fake psychic, you know, abilities. Because uh, she was very on the nose about it. She said it would have something to do with blood in her head. Like something's going to burst. Was, yeah. And, so, and that was when she was a little girl when she had this premonition. Yeah, so she finally met her sister when she was an adult. Um and within uh, a year of meeting her sister, Judy was admitted to the hospital complaining of headaches. And then the doctor said it was nothing more serious than migraines. And then Janine sensed her childhood premonitions were soon going to be fulfilled. Um, the doc, you know, and then they show a segment where she's in the, uh, you know, in the in the waiting or in the kind of the, the you know hallway of the uh, outside of the room of uh, her half sister and she's arguing with the doctor and then the doctor says that basically that you're not a doctor or whatever and and, <laughs> and that I know best which I again I feel like has become kind of a a, a stereotype and that a was probably these- exaggerated it probably didn't happen like that in real life but I still like that added in there because it just adds adds to sort of the drama right and it increases the drama here and and, it, and it's really definitely very tragic and heartbreaking and you definitely feel for her and you're like no you stupid doctor she's right <laughs> right <laughs> exactly and and she's psychic she was like, very insistent to the oh, doctor what? psychic <laughs> whatever she was really insistent to the doctor that they needed to perform more tests and this that, and the other and they just they just wouldn't do it um and and then she ended up dying of a, a brain aneurysm but you know it's funny because when she insisted that they do these extra tests, they wouldn't do it. Yet, if you rewind back to the uh, the case of uh, Marie Hilly, uh, oh, yeah. the son insisted that the doctor perform more tests on his sister, who he thought was being poisoned by the mom, and they did do additional well, tests. Well, because he didn't say he has a feeling. He didn't say, like, I have, you know, that she was kind of saying it like... I'm a psychic. Yeah, <laughs> So then the doctor's all this fucking crazy bitch, whatever. Which is kind of like if you're a psychic, if if you're a psychic, wouldn't you have enough like common sense to know I can't go around telling people I'm a psychic because they're probably not going to believe me, and perhaps I should just mask this as, hey, uh, you know, I think you should check her head because she says that it might be a brain aneurysm. She whispered it to me. She said, hey, don't tell anybody, but I feel like this might be a brain aneurysm. Just saying. So you might want to check that. Maybe I shouldn't approach this whole thing as though I'm a psychic and I I have a tinfoil hat on my head and you really need to do this because aliens. (laughs) Doctors tend to scoff at that. But she really was escorted out. You know, like it happened in the segment, but she also said in real life they they escorted her out of the hospital. But she her, her sister, unfortunately, did pass away. Um and then, you know, she was kind of just lost at that point mentally because she's like, you know, I'm not I'm not seen as normal, but I'm I'm not necessarily seen as abnormal either. She's like, I felt like a ship without a captain, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, what is normal? Really? I mean, that's how I look at it. I mean, what is normal? Everyone has uh, their own I, definition. Exactly. 
So I don't think there's one specific definition of what normal is. So, you know, she could be an, a normal person except for one extraordinary ability that she possesses. Um, so, yeah, so she's depressed. And then in like 1994, September 1994, she met with a doctor named Michael Persinger, who was an expert in psychic phenomenon. And he tested thousands of psychic patients, including her. And he has this belief that electric pulses from the brain cause predictions and other phenomena. And uh, several incidents related to electric pulses have occurred since Janine was a teenager. Right. He was talking about how these psychic experiences come from severe bursts of electricity in the brain, similar to epileptic seizures. Uh, the brain is like a TV, and during these seizure conditions, a brain can get enhanced experiences. And I love the old, yeah, the old, <laughs> illus- the old like old illustration. They yeah. show this old like illustration, this like CGI kind of image of like a TV with like it, it looks like one of those like like illustrations you'd see on like a public access channel that's like explaining yeah. how something works. And it's like this digital, like I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's like it's it it's, definitely is not aged very well. But- no, yeah. it, it hasn't. Um, <laughs> speaking of su- stuff that hasn't aged well, Unsolved Mysteries, probably the corniest uh, seg- uh, corniest scene ever in Unsolved Mysteries. If you ever get a chance to watch this, on the DVD under uh, Psychics, it's called Storm in Hell. And it's about this guy. In- yeah, yes, I saw that one recently. Y- you know what scene yeah. I'm talking about where he's in the bubble and, yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's a little kid and he's like praying to god as a little kid or or whatever dude that was just obnoxiously bad yeah the whole like i love jesus i love the bible yeah it's like a little uh, just the most obnoxious little kid voice you can imagine and you know what's funny is like i noticed that they showed the storm in hell segment on the revamps with dennis farina and uh they totally edited out that that set that part of it completely <laughs> and i'm like okay maybe that was a good call <laughs> I, I think that segment was more terrifying on an episode of sightings <laughs> yeah i mean if you're uh if you're being for real like that was a uh that was a the the, the idea of it was scary though um portraying hell yeah was probably difficult to do for a show, you know, with the, bu- like, although Unsolved Mysteries didn't have a small budget, but I mean, you know, what, what this guy was describing anyway, getting off topic. Um, so <laughs> basically the theory is, is that, um, you know, it, it, as a psychic, you have these, uh, bursts of, uh, electricity in your brain that are much more than the normal person would have. And if it happens, say in, in the part of your brain that controls, uh, time and a sense of time, it's, it, they're theorizing here that um, it's possible that you get an enhanced sense of time where you're not limited to being stuck in the current time that we're in like it's almost like you can go outside the time and space continuum and and see into kind of the future uh, of what's going to happen if you're if you're keeping up with that uh, show stranger things on netflix when they explain how uh, time is on a, a linear plane but you can fold it in half and poke a pencil through it and then you've gone through one area of time to another is kind of how they're talking about the psychic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they just kind of go back into um, uh, the electric lady, Janine. But then they add the element of psychokinesis, which is psychic energy. And yeah, this is one of the very, you know, one of the things that definitely stood out about this segment, you know, uh, so there's these incidents that she had that are related to these electrical pulses in her brain, which, 
I know people probably might scoff at this, but the brain, I think, has a lot of things that we still don't understand and we still do not know. So the brain is a very complex uh, organ. And, and so it's one of those things that there's a lot of unexplained stuff in the brain itself. And and so these incidents would occur and she would just be holding a coffee pot and then it would suddenly explode in her hands. Uh, just imagine that, folks, you know, you're having a bad day already. I mean, that's not good. It's that's bad in itself. You come home, you may just want to get a cup of coffee and your glass coffee pot just explodes right in your hands out of nowhere. There's no weird reason why that would happen. Unless there was something wrong with you. <laughs> if it were me, I would first think maybe the coffee pot got like super, super heat, hot. Yeah, superheated and, and the it grass the glass cracked, but when it kept happening, then I would be like, Okay, seriously, what the fuck is going on? Because yeah, she she eventually got to the point where she couldn't even she basically got rid of everything that had glass in her house because it would constantly just shatter. In, in her hands or, or when she was near it. Uh, Dr. William Roll, who's... Hey, uh, William Roll, again! Uh, who who you, is a, a regular on this show. This motherfucker is a fixture on this show. You will see William Roll in anything paranormal whatsoever. He He's he, also a fixture on sightings as well, I believe. Oh, so. that's funny, yeah. He was the goddamn go-to. He's still alive, by the way, which is crazy, because in the show, he it's looks like... He's old, but yeah, yeah. He looks like he's like 60 or 70 in the show, but yeah, I, I so, wish him. He believes alive. that the stress from her life... Uh, builds up with electricity and causes these strange things to happen and a prime example of this is when she was dealing with a divorce and raising her two kids while living with her mother and she was upset and pictures flew off the wall during a a phone conversation that was which was you know aggravating her and then you know and then electric shocks and sparks you know and all this kind of crazy went from her keys to her to the car when she tried to open it which is pretty crazy <laughs> yeah she was uh her son she was walking to the car with her son and uh she was just really charged up that day no pun intended she wasn't angry but she was just you know real hyped up and uh she went to put the key in the trunk and a lightning bolt shot from the key to the car yeah and uh the keys flew out of her hand I mean, I know I get shocked every now and then when, you know, you open a car door or you deal with that because it's electric shock type stuff that everybody, you know, encounters every now and then. But this is like 211. It's all up to 11. It's like fucking lightning bolts shooting out of your uh, keys and shit. Uh, some people might think it's cool because it'd be like, oh, man, I have superpowers. <laughs> Right, and I don't think she was particularly afraid of it. She was more; she more or less had the attitude of it, it was she. It, An she inconvenience, was, right? She was unsure of it, and she was saying at the end of the segment how she wished she could harness this power because it's been said that if, if if you know the people who have uh, gotten the ability to harness this power have been able to cure diseases and stuff. So that's what she was saying. Yeah. That she ultimately, and then, wanted yeah, to do. that was nice of her. And then there's this. There, then there's a really crazy one where she asked her son to heat her baby daughter's bottle in the microwave and uh he, he he didn't put it in for long enough or put it on the wrong setting so she reset it and then the microwave exploded yep 
And then she called a repairman, and he couldn't find any any cause for this occurrence to happen. And then this one also was a real standout where she was planning, she was ironing a shirt, and she was she was actually planning on ironing it, and but she was distracted and became angry, uh, and she started doing so, and it looked like she was just ironing these clothes normally, and then her mother realized that it wasn't plugged in. And she had to like grab the plug, you know, grab the plug in and be like, uh, are you ironing right now? <laughs> it's not plugged in. Yeah. And it was, and it was so, still ironing the clothes. Like the clothes yeah. were still being ironed. That's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's kind of, it's definitely trippy. Pretty, it's kind of scary. <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, uh, she she did not call just a repairman to to repair the microwave. It was a microwave repairman, is what she said. <laughs> Which, what the <laughs> microwave repairman? Good lord! <laughs> if that doesn't date this episode, I don't know what does. <laughs> I'm in the microwave repair business. This business is booming. Fucking microwave repairman. Nowadays, we just throw out the damn microwave and buy a new one. That's the American way. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, of course, they call this energy psychokinesis. And nobody can really explain why this happens to certain people, uh, like Janine. Yeah, so it basically just ends, again, with her saying that, you know, she eventually wants to harness this power and use it for good. Well, at least she she wants to use it for good. Imagine somebody who uses this for evil. Well, I mean, you know, fun. thankfully she was Janine and not Magneto, because if she was Magneto, <laughs> then we'd probably have a problem. Eric Lynch, sure. Yeah. So that uh, that was a very interesting segment. Um, you know, again, not very difficult for me to believe that one, because I, I believe that, you know, uh, the, the brain is a very unexplored, mysterious mechanism that can be harnessed to do things that no one would even think possible, you know, ever in the, you know. Uh, so, I mean, just just even going back, going to those, like, you know, those... Uh, those monks who can go into such a deep uh, meditation that they can like submerge submerge themselves in like a zero degree water for like an hour or something like that. And they can literally slow their heartbeat down to where they're, you know, it's barely beating. And, you know, these, these are very real things that that you can do with your mind. If you, if you get it under control, you know, now to suggest that you can move things with your mind and this, that, and the other, that's not that much far fetched or that's not that far fetched compared to, uh, you know, those other things that these monks like these aren't controllable though and see that's the thing with these cases it seems like they're just it's sparked by stress yeah or you know some sort and it kind of makes sense you know that maybe that amplifies whatever energy that is uh in in inside these people who have these psychokinetic abilities some of them are bullshit though like the guy who can bend spoons or whatever like that's been proven to be complete bullshit but uh you know these type of she doesn't seem like a person who was like gonna do this to oh I, i'm psychic i'm gonna go on a, a tour and go to vegas and, and, and you know do all and, and pay people to see me do psychic things she didn't yeah <laughs> basically she wasn't trying to monetize her uh, ability oh. well that's cool um all right 
Going to our last, our final segment of this episode. I don't know how we haven't uh, touched on one of these yet, but uh, we're finally doing a Bigfoot uh, segment here. Uh, this specific one on the uh, Strange Legends box set is called Bigfoot Number Two, but then when you actually put the DVD in, the segment says uh, Oregon Bigfoot or Bigfoot in Oregon or something like that. That's really what it, it's more like because there's a Yeti one, which I think do they list that as Bigfoot Number Two or no? I don't even know if the Yeti one is even on the set. No, it is. It is. It is. It's, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's just later. called Yeti. Yeah. Just called Yeti. So yeah, it's weird. Bigfoot two, and you're like, "Where's the first Bigfoot?" I don't, I don't know where the. This sounds like a sequel. I mean, they I could, they could have called it Bigfoot two Electric Boogaloo. Would you have preferred that? <laughs> no, not really. I, I think I think there was a monster truck called Bigfoot, and I think they might have had. Oh yeah, there there was. And they called it Bigfoot two, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Bigfoot was badass, man. Uh, you know that you had Carolina Crusher and Gravedigger and Bigfoot. Anyway, Sunday, 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 Sunday. Uh, so is in the woods, <laughs> Mount Hood, Oregon. Or is it Mike? Definitively, is it Oregon or Oregon? I say, I say Oregon. I say Oregon, and and I grew grew up in Oregon, so you know I know people say Oregon, but I I really don't like that pronunciation man you people how you, you actually pronounce it you but. oregonians get really pissed off when people call it oregon <laughs> i don't really care to be honest it's like i don't want to call it oregon mike but, stop you know, yelling at say, me <laughs> people say it that's fine i don't have a problem with that yeah this case takes place right in your fucking backyard man maybe you can Mount hood, uh, yeah over mount hood washington yeah so have you been to mount hood or yeah, I've been to Mount Hood. Oh, cool! That's awesome. I didn't even know that before we, we before we started recording this. I had no idea you actually bent, went to this location. Yeah, probably not exactly where the guy saw Bigfoot, but yeah, I've been to Mount Hood. So if I watch the segment, can't if I look close enough in the background, can I see you as a kid hiking up the? No, no, we didn't really hike up Mount Hood. We we I've I've been near Mount Hood. You know, at the Timberline Lodge and places like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we don't have any that's, mountains in Florida. I don't the know Shining, The Shining was kind of... The outside of the hotel in The Shining uh, was shot at, at Timberline Lodge. Oh, cool. I've been around there, and, you know, I, I think we've... I might have done a little bit of a trail around there, but we I haven't really hiked up the mountain. I'm really not... Yeah, I need to get in better shape if I'm going to try to do that kind of thing. <laughs> Gotta stop smoking those three packs a day, Mike. <laughs> And, uh, more like stop eating junk food and actually work out. Uh. <laughs> so that's where this place, th- that's where this took place, uh, April 19th, 1994. Uh, a group of people are on a manhunt. A helicopter is equipped with infrared sensors. This manhunt. That's a crazy opening. Yeah, it, 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 it really <laughs> is. They make it seem like they're hunt- like hunting for this guy or something. It's like this manhunt like is. Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah. Fugitive. It's a training exercise, though, um, and the the person running away from everybody is a volunteer, and he's a stand-in for the legendary creature known as Bigfoot. Uh, many believe Bigfoot to be the missing link, obviously, between ape and human. Um, this training exercise was funded by the Big Search, uh, the Big Search, the Bigfoot Research Project. Uh, this guy, this old, uh, very kind of colorful, yeah, colorful he was character. Also, he was in the Yeti segment. 
Yeah. So yeah, uh, he was. You know, he was. It seems like he's a regular with these sort of uh, uh, Bigfoot. Uh, cryptozoological, you know, ape man segments on this show. He was not in the skunk ape one though, so it's mm. he's, yeah. he's he's not that. And he was not in this other one that was on. Uh, I think it was the second or the third. It was the second season, which I don't believe that was on the on the DVD set. Oh, I'll get to it, Mike. Don't you worry. <laughs> um. So basically, you know, Peter Byrne who's this very kind of, um, you know, uh, dignified, kind of old-school British, you know, uh, just... Very like, confident, though. Yeah. Very... He seems like he, he seems like when they're interviewing him, I feel like he should be wearing, like, a, a, a like a Hugh Hefner-like robe and smoking a pipe. <laughs> like, he's got this very, you know... And he's like, so he's very... Yeah, he's, he's, he's overcome... He's confident at the point. It's kind of cocky. So he's like, so we don't want to capture it. We don't want to shoot it. The ultimate find, as far as we're concerned, would be to do something like what Jane Goodall did. In other words, to find one, see if we can communicate, and have it lead us to others, and then bring in the right people. Totally, totally responsible people. Bring in scientists, and show them what we found and document the whole thing, of course. Which makes sense, you know, I mean, that's... that's. It's not like the Finding Bigfoot show on, what was it, the Travel Channel or Discovery? Oh, those channels are, uh, yeah, I, I thought I saw that. And they always tease you before they go to commercial by there would be some weird noise and they'll be like, what the fuck was that? And then they go to commercial. It's like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you really found, you're really going to find one on this show before. It was hosted all- by Dean Kane from Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's, they used to air on TBS. Yeah, fucking Superman <laughs> over there. And then I remember, like the 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 finale was like these guys found some hair and they did some tests on it, and it is not Bigfoot. First of all, what people need to understand about all these silly little shows like UFO hunters and also the kind of stuff if they if they find anything. Uh, you're going to be reading about it on your Facebook feed, on Yahoo News. You're going to be reading about it on all the major news outlets before it, 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 it's revealed on one of these stupid pre-filmed shows. You know, you're, you're, they're not going to break. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to like make some kind of breaking news, breaking you know, hit, like archaeological find or, or cryptozoological find. They're not going to break that on a fucking cable TV show. They're not just a reality not. show. No. So, um, anyway, after they... As far as I'm concerned, this is the actual... This is, this is reality TV. Right. The real reality TV. Right. So, Todd Neese was a sergeant in the Army National Guard, and once a month he would return to the Oregon Coastal Range where he had an unusual sighting while on maneuvers in 1993. Across the ravine, he saw three figures that were standing upright, about nine foot in height. Nine feet in height, whatever. He was approached by another sergeant that walked up to him and said, Sergeant Neese, did you see what I saw, you know, at that second rock port? And then Sergeant Neese, not wanting to be made a fool of, said, well, what did you see? And the other sergeant said, you know, in no uncertain terms, it looked like three big feet. And uh, then it goes back to Peter Byrne, who's saying, if you see them during the day, it usually means there is a disturbance in their habitat. Now, that makes sense if they're, you know, these sergeants are doing these kind of like training maneuvers or whatever. Um, so after uh, one month after Todd Neese's sighting, uh, 100 miles away, driving th- down this country road, these women uh, actually spotted 
one of these creatures as they're driving down this road in the distance the uh the one of the women who was driving said she saw movement and she said it stood up and it moved across the road and she they just couldn't make sense the way this scene was shot was really well done yeah this was probably one of the freakiest bigfoot uh moments in the show because it's at night and it happens in like a blink of an eye and like just to put yourself in that situation driving at night is already kind of perilous and kind of scary in, in itself and then you see some fucking hairy eight foot tall hairy motherfucker just calmly stroll across across the road in front of you and then it you just see it, you, it's one of those things where you gotta like pause for a second, stop the car, and be like, "What? What the fuck just happened? Did, did I really just see Harry from Harry and the Hendersons just walk out of the bushes?" That was a great movie. And just and just walk across the street. Talk I need about to lay off. I need to lay off the booze, or I need to stop smoking. <laughs> yeah. So. That yeah, that I mean, I live on a long, lonesome, uh, desolate road with no street lights. Like to get to my house, you have to drive down this long road, very similar to this, but it's paved. Thankfully, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, it goes off eventually to a dirt road, but th- as far as the long, See, I'm in like a suburb, like in, near a city. So if any of that kind of crazy shit happened, like the whole neighborhood would probably know that. Yeah, see, that could totally happen out where I live, and and it would be, you know, like. It would be, it would be, you know, reasonable. One person saw it, and then everyone's like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> well, because like I've I've hit deer going down that road before. I mean, I hate to yeah. say, and it was a very traumatic experience. But like I've been driving down that road, and the, uh, hitting Bigfoot. I don't, I don't think you're gonna. Uh, Bigfoot would hit back, I, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it would be a Harry and the Hendersons thing where I can go up to it, and I'm like, holy. Holy shit! And then John John Lithgow tells me to watch my mouth. You know what's funny about that movie, Harry and the Hendersons? That was the first time, as a kid, that was the first time I ever heard the phrase, holy shit. I, yeah, I had never heard that phrase before I saw that movie. And did you know there was a TV show based on that that used to air on USA Network? Doesn't surprise me. Lasted for, like, multiple seasons, but nobody remembers it. Yeah, I don't remember it. That'd be a good for you to do a review on because I, I doubt there's a video out there about that. Well, there probably is. There's a video about fucking everything now. So uh, probably the most compelling uh, story from this case. Elmer. Yeah, Elmer. Um, where's his fucking name? Fromback. Fromback. Yeah, there you go. Elmer Fromback. Um, July 5th. Not Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Elmer Fromback. July 15th, 1989. Elmer Fromback of Seattle, Washington. Oh, Seattle, Washington. All right, so Mike Mike can tell us a little bit about this. Probably not. Um, Seattle, Washington took his family on an outing by the Canadian border. Uh, He set off to stake claim in an area nearby. He brought along compass, surveyor's ribbons, all the kind of stuff that you would need to stake claim somewhere. As he traveled in the upper areas about 1,500 feet, uh, he noticed that the trees were snapped off, and they were strategically placed as if to block the path off. So he went up the hillside to where he could walk on the trails easily again. Elmer had just began to take a few ore samples from the earth when he realized that he was not alone. So he's like tapping this ore with his little, you know, pick there. Mm -hmm. And then he hears this pounding sound 
uh, right after he got done hitting his, you know, little piece of iron ore here, this this tapping sound that was almost like mimicking what he was yeah. doing. And, and then he said, this is what he says. He says, I saw a big, hairy, I saw a big, black, hairy mass. And at the time, I kept thinking in my mind, I've got to find a way to scare it. And I fired a shot above its head. And I turned just slightly and then proceeded to walk down the trail as though I wasn't even there. And as it walked away from me, it took perfect human-like strides down the trail, only like a giant man. This thing had crouched down at the end of the trail, and it picked up a rock the size of a basketball, and was using it to bang against the other rocks that again made a slight sideways turn, just enough to see me at other rocks that again made a slight sideways turn, just enough to see me out of its corner of its eye. I was scared, and I wanted to get out of there. And I kept running down the hillside, and the thing was in hot pursuit the whole way. And like this is well shot too, and this is this is pretty terrifying. Like think about this, folks. You're just around in the woods hiking, whatever. Beautiful day, things are normal, whatever. See this fucking giant hairy big motherfucker, Bigfoot, and then you're like, oh holy shit! You try to scare it away because rightfully you think it's a bear at first, rightfully so, and then oh it's not a bear. It's something even more, even more uh, da- dangerous and deadly than a bear. It's fucking Bigfoot. And so then you're running away, and then this thing is fucking chasing after you in hot pursuit. I mean, man, I would have shot my pants. I'm serious. Well, I, I thought the whole <laughs> scene, like, uh, of him, uh, you know, hitting the, the the ore from the earth or whatever, and then, like, you know, he... he th- this. Well, that's know, creepy, too, because that's in, you're in the middle of nowhere, and then you're hearing, like, someone mimicking you. Yeah, because yeah. at first he thought it was the kids, you know, his kids or whatever. He was like, all right, guys, real funny, and then that... that that black hairy mass like tumbles down the mountain yeah. and he thought it was an avalanche and yeah. you know this thing gets up and this is this is a really good looking bigfoot on the show like they did a good job on the, uh, the practical s- makeup effects yeah. yeah and man this thing gets up and walks away and it is huge and so he fires his gun off to scare it and it just it ignores him like bitch you ain't shit so but then when he like turns the corner you know, to follow the Bigfoot, and he sees, the, like, uh, the shot of the Bigfoot all the way at the end of the trail, just sitting yeah. down, and then him at the beginning of the trail, and just, you see Bigfoot sitting down off in the distance, hitting something with this big rock, yeah. and then all of a sudden it turns its head and sees him, yeah, and then he just scary. starts running. That was so scary. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. That, that would scare anyone. Like oh, I said, yeah. it would scare I anyone mean, shitless. You're just like, uh, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, crap my pants. Bigfoot is chasing after me. I think you do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, fight or flight definitely kicks in at that point. You're you're trying to serve, you're trying to uh, you know preserve your your life at that. I, point. I love Peter Byrne. His explanation for it, he was like, it wasn't really chasing him. It, it was more uh, uh, doing like what was it? Demonstration uh, charge. It was a demonstration charge. I'm like. Trying to tell him to get out of his territory. (laughs) He was chasing him. Seriously. Just that just that kind of coy, emotionless kind of English yeah. way about him. Just like, you see, it was he was not trying to scare him. It was known as a demonstration charge. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like if he and if it's like if this Peter guy encountered the Bigfoot, he's like, Well, hello, sir. Would you mind coming with me so we can research you? I would appreciate that very much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, you seem to be annoyed. I'll come back later. Very good. Would you like some of my beef jerky? It's, uh, it's, uh, Jacklings. I've heard you really like this, this particular brand of beef jerky. Oh, no. 
I'm going to keep it for myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought um, I had enough what? to share. I do have some trail mix, however. <laughs> uh, so a- after all this stuff happens, they, of course, bring in the differing opinion. Notable anthropologist Darius Swindler uh, he brought Swindler. up... <laughs> yeah, he 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 is a swindler, all right. Uh, he brought up how he basically wants to see, you know, like what every Bigfoot skeptic yeah. says. See, he wants to see bone and dental evidence. Well, think about it. If these Bigfoot were intelligent enough, I don't. They they basically find a way to stay hidden from us. And they're probably afraid of us too. So, I mean, that's one thing to consider. But at the same time, I am kind of in the same boat. I mean. You can show me all the footprints you want and the Patterson video, which I don't really know for sure. I mean, there's been people who have said, oh, it's legit. And there's other people who are like, no. Um, And I think like, so it's like up in the air with that. I mean, part of me like, oh, totally. I would love to believe in Bigfoot. Um, uh, The Yeti, I kind of think is a little bit more plausible because the Yeti is it's it's like in a kind of an uninhabited area. Nobody really lives in that area where the Yeti would be other than, you know, some monks. And uh, but with Bigfoot, it's like it's very vast areas. A lot of people who travel around in the Pacific Northwest, you would think they'd be able to find it. But maybe it's maybe it's maybe the, the sightings are no longer happening because maybe the bigfoot died or that's kind of how i feel about it i feel like in the 90s and 80s there was a lot of this kind of going on and <laughs> i feel like i feel like whatever it was did like finally man yeah i yeah. feel like whatever it was did finally die out um i, I feel like what if it was real it was it was definitely an, it, it, on the verge of extinction and i feel like it did it finally just did go extinct and uh one interesting uh final point that peter byrne brings up to the uh anthropologist who was saying he wanted basically bone and teeth evidence to believe it uh you know peter burns saying you can talk to people who's lived out here 50 years and they've never seen anything dead uh they've never seen any dead bodies he's like uh you know he's like basically animals eat the carcasses of other animals it's nature's way and you know it's just like an elephant dies in africa the body's uh, every trace of the body is gone in 48 hours you know uh the animals take care of it you know and that's just yeah so so that probably might have that might have been what would have happened that's a valid point too because you know i kind of live out in the country myself and I, i never see any dead things out here i mean every now and then you might find like well, I've seen like birds and and stuff that got ran over on the road. Right, but that's different. Like, that. like like just you never like cuz I kind of have a foresty kind of thing back here in back yeah. of my house. I never see just any dead animal back there, you know. Like and I go back there a lot and There's a particular sighting segment where they talked about Bigfoot that I th- that I thought was really good that was sort of like that some guy saw Bigfoot or whatever that was around like his property. Imagine that. Now that would be t- that would be really scary. A Bigfoot over in your in your backyard, huh? Backyard Bigfoot. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so so yeah, it's one of those things where we don't really have proof yet, but I don't know. It's one of those things you'd like to believe in, you know, if, if you're interested in cryptozoological, you know, sort of things and stuff like that. It's I, I look at it as definitely more of a legend. But, you know, there are some people who said that what they've seen, I mean, you know, the lady and, and so on, the guy's been got chased by one. I mean, you know, there, there's some validity there. And I can't really say that, oh, what they saw wasn't 
Bigfoot because I wasn't there. Well, this is my so, th- this is my thing. This is my kind of my final point about all this. Sasquatch. My thing is there's shit about there's shit in the ocean that we don't know about in the deep. Oh, exactly in the deep. The, the yeah, very, in the very depths of the ocean, there's things that we can't we just can't get to. You know, we can't be everywhere at once. There's things in the ocean I that thought the giant squid wasn't real until we there they actually did find a giant squid, which was living. You know, in the very deep, dark depths of the ocean that was uh, pretty much unexplored for many years. So in these trenches and places like that, there's a lot of uh, uh, types of uh, fish and, and uh, species that are, are completely unknown. The same thing happens, you know, in, in, the, in the rainforest. There's a lot of uh, species and animals and insects and things like that that have yet to be discovered. Right. And, you know, you you look at like Yellowstone National Park, which is by far the one of the biggest parks in the world. Mm-hmm. And there's just acres, thousands upon thousands of acres of land. If you actually Google the size of Yellowstone National Park, it's like the size of like a couple states. I mean, it, it's it's ginormous. It's huge. So to tell me that we have the the ego to say that we know, you know, even though it is land and it's not underwater or anything to say, we know we can be everywhere at once and just know in, in all these, you know, huge, massive. I mean, for example, this is, there was this woman in the psychics DVD who got lost in the, in the wilderness and there was a whole manhunt for her, including helicopters and like high tech, you know, uh, technology to use to search for people who were lost and they could not find her. And it wasn't until this random cowboy guy got some vision of where she might be and he ended up finding her. So, and to relate that to this whole sort of Bigfoot thing, yeah, uh, if we can't find a, a woman, we can't find somebody who is in the wilderness <laughs> with all our high tech and, and technology and everything. Um, why why is it expected that we we would be able to find bigfoot if it did exist not only to just find them but to definitively say no there's no way anything like that could exist out there cuz i just exactly cuz i just know everything that can and can't exist and that can't just that well, just can't the same people thought the colossus was extinct until people eventually found some uh uh surviving colossus i think in the amazon river uh, a while ago. Now I don't think they're alive anymore. But n- when they did find them, nobody said th- they thought they were extinct. Rightfully so. What the hell is a cor- cor- colossus? It's a type of extinct fish. Ah. That was uh, considered extinct uh, since you know the prehistoric era. Ah. And sometime in the 80s or something, they found living colossus, and uh, so. That kind of stuff happens where you're like, oh, there's no way that doesn't ex- that exists. And then, bam, we find some extinct colossus in the river somewhere. At first, I was uh, thinking uh, the Coruscant uh, from Star Wars, and now I was thinking Croissant, and I started getting hungry. And now... Sandwich, yeah. Mm. Yeah, now I'm just disappointed. <laughs> but uh, I, I love how they also said something like, we, we want to get it dead or alive, which just made me think of Robocop. It was like, Dead or alive. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. With me. (laughs) 
So my whole thing is keep an open mind about this, people. Don't just uh, don't just just straight up flat out deny it. Because because the point is to say that there isn't something out there means that you definitively know, and you don't. You def- you don't definitively know. That's why I don't. Same you know, thing. For, that's why we call it the unexplained. Right. Um. The unknown. And I know there's people out there who will be like, well, there's a there is a you know there's a realist there's a scientific explanation for it, but. Uh, we don't know it yet, so that's just the same thing as as unknown and unexplained. You're just adding your your science argument in there. Science can be very science can be. You very still flaky. don't have any idea what the fuck you know what the what what the hell it is either. You're you're just saying, well, I there there's an explanation. We just don't know it yet. Right. Well, I, I feel the same way. I don't know it yet either, but I refuse to say that it's 100 percent scientific. Um. And, and something of nature. A Bigfoot could definitely be something of nature. It could have been like some kind of, you could have all kinds of wild theories, government experiments gone awry, uh, you know, uh, Neanderthals, you know, uh, who survived and then evolved or something. And it seems like there weren't, there, it, there wasn't like a lot of these Bigfoot. There wasn't a lot of these Sasquatches. So, you know, I've heard stories of them have see, finding baby Sasquatches, but I don't really know about that. Yeah. But it seems like there really wasn't that many. And even if there was, like, a family of them, it doesn't seem like they were – it was, like, a lot. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I can't say for sure Bigfoot exists, but I can't say for sure it doesn't. <laughs> Just keep an open mind, people, and, you know. Same thing like ghosts and, you know, other stuff like that or the Loch Ness Monster. Keep an open mind until you have a reason not to, you know, and, and, and that's that's all we here at the Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries podcast want you to do is just, just keep an open mind. And, and if you if you find out that something is bullshit, let's say maybe halfway in the middle of a segment while you're doing it live, uh, like I did with Ghost Boy, then let that happen, you know, and it's all part yeah. of the journey. Exactly. So I think that's all we have for this week, folks. I'm Josh Cannon uh, here with my ever-ready friend, Mike. Again, I don't know what that the terms I use to describe you. I don't know what any of them mean. Um, hopefully some kids out in uh, Washington who are playing Pokemon Go out in the mountains will find Bigfoot. Uh, until then, we can just hope and that wish. Would be, that would be hilarious. Uh, the whole headline is... Instead of Pokemon Go, somebody found a dead body while playing Pokemon Go. Somebody finds Bigfoot while playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, (laughs) Pokemon went. So, uh, yeah, anyway, to, to all you guys out there, uh, we would love to hear from you, whatever, um, like, format you listen to this on, just comment, man, like, I check all this stuff, and uh, yeah. I see that we get all these listeners, but you guys are really silent out there, so I'd like to hear from you, um, any way that you can let us, you know, reach out and just say, Let's hey. know what you thought, what your thoughts are on the what the segments we're talking about, you know, stuff like that, we, we'd appreciate it, any more requests. Uh, I know we've gotten a decent amount of them. We should probably um, incorporate some of those into some upcoming episodes. Yeah, we will. There's, there's, there. It seems like there's a never-ending mine of things to uh, to chisel away at here. So all your oh, suggest- there's a, there's just a treasure trove of, of stuff to talk about. Uh, this is this. It's not like we're going to run out of things to talk about on this show. No, it's not like when the ultimate collection runs out, then we're screwed. We still have. Uh, we still have access to some of the other segments, let's just say. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can add Mike's uh, YouTube channel, and you should. It's uh, f- uh, youtube.com slash OCP communications. He does a lot of movie reviews, and uh, I- I've, I've, I'm finding myself watching them more and more. Um, I've really. I'm starting to post uh, the podcasts on there. I'm going to post. Uh, I'm kind of behind. But I'm gonna try to eventually, hopefully, get all of the these episodes on that channel, so people can uh, watch them or listen to them on YouTube, if if they would like to do it that way. You know, I, I was thinking. I think your movie reviews. You should do like a podcast um, slash rant. Like maybe while you're doing the video simultaneously, or be recording it just the audio and do it. Because like I think your movie reviews would make a really good podcast format too, because they're so long and you're not really yeah. You know, I've done, I've done some stuff like that. I've considered stuff like that. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. If I was going to do anything like that, it might be kind of movie news related. I kind of do that kind of stuff with talking cinema. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, if you like movies, if you like horror films, all different types of genres, check my channel out. And uh, yeah, I also did a, a solo segment of uh, uncovering unsolved mysteries on there on the Bobby and Christy Baskin case. So yeah, that one's a YouTube exclusive. Uh, so if you run out of uh, episodes to listen to on here, you can go to his channel and listen to a solo. Uh, that one really uh, pissed me off. So yeah, yeah. Mike gets second. really pissed off in that one. I can I can vouch for that. He <laughs> yells and uh, and it's not pleasant. Uh, it's it's very it's very frightening. Um, so there's actually another one like that on, on season four. Where you yell? No. There's uh, another a segment of the show like that where this uh, mother kidnaps the, the kid. Oh, but this yeah. one has a much more uh, palatable ending. Yeah, I think I've seen. I think I know which one you're talking about. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at uh, YouTube.com/slash/dancingwithghosts and the number two. Uh, I do all kinds of videos. It's uh, all entertainment related. Um, my most recent one I did is uh, is Mario the most overrated game franchise uh, or overrated character of all time? Uh, I give my opinions on that. Uh, I do book reviews, game reviews. Uh, top- I think he's got some pretty big coming up. Uh, right. sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always working on my next video. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes longer than others, but uh, yeah, I, I, I got, I got a, a bunch of things in the can coming down. I'd love to see you try more uh, foods from other countries. That that would be that would be fun. I'm limited to whatever Publix has in their ethnic food section. I could do a German one, a Jamaican one. There's some other ethnic foods they do in there. Um, Oh, yeah, that's another thing I do. I try British food uh, because I went to the the Publix aisle and I just bought all the ethnic. Uh, Do you have a Publix over there where you live? I don't think you do. I don't don't know if we do, but there's other places I can get stuff like that or I could buy one of those those, uh, monthly packages where you buy subscribe to like food they get sent to you from all these different countries oh wow that's neat well see you just learned that that exists if you didn't already know 